All right, we got a short one, but a good one for you today. We're talking Premier League Match Week 24 preview. We're highlighting the matches we are most intrigued by, and we're going to tell you why you should be as well. We then wrap up the episode with a check-in with the U.S. Men's National Team. You're listening to the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bones Bouts. This is episode 24. Let's get started. We got a pretty straightforward episode for you guys this week. We are talking Premier League Match Week 24. We're doing a little bit of a preview like we normally do. Just highlighting some games that we personally are looking forward to. And we're basically going to convince you why you should be interested as well. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I have a little bit of a surprise. A little bit of a surprise for Bones. So his, (laughs) his... his beloved Bayern Munich played in the Club World Cup today. So I'm going to give him – hold on. Let me put up the timer. I'll give him 30 seconds to talk about Bayern Munich, and then hopefully that gets him out of the, out of his system for uh, for the rest of this episode. No, you know, I'll give you one minute, okay? Ready, starting. Aww. You got, it's well, first of all, I'd, I'd just like to say how honored I am. Uh, Trev, thank you. Um, but aside from that, you know, I wouldn't say the the Club World Cup really reflects how well they play the entire year. This is their sixth trophy in account or in essentially one season, which I mean, is just unheard of. And they are still the best team in Europe. I, I I'm proud to be a Bayern Munich fan. What they did last year was insane, particularly after Hansi Flick uh, took over the team. But you know, it's, it's been a little dicey this year. I still think that they, are the favorites to win the Champions League. I would love for them to do that. Unfortunately, it's not going to be another treble year because they lost in the uh, DFB Pokal. But you know they are a fantastic and fun team to watch. If you haven't tuned in to the Bundesliga, also on ESPN Plus, it's all right. You're done. Great action. Stop it. You're done. All right. Not bad. You. I could tell you were you were actually trying to wrap it up there. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good job. Uh, so the only thing I got to say about that is it's pretty embarrassing that the quote-unquote best team in the world only beat a Liga MX team one goal to, goal to nil. And their goal that they scored was actually offsides. But for some oh, reason, you they bastard. It so You it bastard. Took, it took an offsides goal for Bayern Munich to beat El Tigres. So, you know what? what, what the, t- the wait, 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 wait. You, cannot, you. you and, can't end this like this. Okay, so moving on. We're going into the match week 24 preview. So, I got good news for you, Bones. I know, I know you're a little bit disappointed in your team right now, so we'll, we'll go oh, into yeah. positives. <laughs> so, with the preview, to get us started, there's good news because we have another weekend in a row with a breakfast banger. We got... Leicester and Liverpool, early match, Saturday morning. If you're on the East Coast, 7.30, nice and sharp. Get your breakfast sandwich ready. Get your coffee ready. Still a little too early for alcohol, in my opinion, but I don't judge. Ooh, I don't know. I don't judge. That. I don't judge. I've been there, and I've well, done that. First of all, let's, let's just give the listeners a bit of backstory. Trevor and I used to meet up with one of my buddies, or a couple of my buddies, Rob and Henry, at this little bar down in um, – the the seaport the new york city seaport 
it was around around seven thirty. We'd start early, and uh, it was called Dorlins. They'd always have great Guinness on tap. They had some pretty good breakfast food. So don't tell me that it's a little too early for you and alcohol. We we used to just crush through uh, cruise through oh, okay, the seven thirty okay, matches. Okay, okay, okay. Your fair point. So if you want to crack a beer at seven thirty in the morning, more power to you. But let's let's start talking about this match because it's a big one. We got Leicester, who are currently sitting in third, versus Liverpool, who's currently sitting in fourth. So just a little context where these teams stand right now. Obviously, high up in the table. But, for example, Leicester is in rough form right now with results, recent results of a draw versus Everton, a loss to Leeds, a win versus Fulham, who's the third worst team in the league right now, and then a draw to Wolves, who's struggled mightily this year. And then on the flip side, Liverpool, by their high standards, is in rough form too. They have back-to-back losses, one to Brighton, one to Manchester City, which is a little bit more expect- expected. This match is not at Anfield, but something that's also kind of hanging over the head is that they've now had three matches in a row at Anfield where they've lost. So uh, Liverpool just sort of in flux. This clearly has a huge top four implication. They're in third and fourth, respectively. But there are, you know, you got mediocre Chelsea and West Ham hanging out just outside the top four. And you got a surprisingly good Everton team sitting, I think, in sixth or seventh. But they have two games in hand. And so uh, the race for the top four is 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 well, is, is there. And it's not just between these uh, Leicester and Liverpool. So a lot of pressure on both these teams. I'm very much looking forward to this. Bones, what's your thought on this match? I, too, am looking forward to it. Both, As you said, both teams are kind of struggling for form. I was wrong in last match week in saying that the center-back pairing that Liverpool had invested in was going to be on the field. I, I think they got to start rolling them out. I, I mean, this could be a good they've, – they've now got, what, a week of training under Klopp with their mm-hmm. new teammates. I think this is a perfect time to – to see if they sink or swim, or or just to integrate them into the team. If not, start them, at least get them a little bit of run. So I'll be interested to see, one, if I correctly predict that they will get in, and two, how they do. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, last week I was surprised that you were mentioning them to start against City, uh, but I think your call this time around makes a little bit, a lot more sense, right? A week a week in the system or at least a week around the team, actually some training sessions. And it would be huge because what it can do is actually push Henderson back into the midfield where I think what happens is they obviously are hurt by Van Dyke being gone. And then they down as a result, they have, so they have a massive downgrade in defense. And then they, on top of that have to downgrade their midfield by moving Henderson from the midfield to the defense. So there's a ripple effect of Van Dyke not being there. Maybe one of these center backs can come in, fill that void so that at least their midfield doesn't need to take a step back as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see. On the flip side of that, I'm pretty interested in seeing what goes on with Leicester because this is actually, I think they're going to be fully healthy for the first time in, mm-hmm. in quite a few weeks. Vardy's back. Uh, he's back in the last match. And then uh, it, it sounds like indeed he's actually going to return. He, he was injured to start the season, came back, then had a little bit of an injury again, but it sounds like he should be back. So um, uh, I would think that a fully healthy Leicester is very even on paper against this this version of Liverpool. Yep. The only and, thing – oh, go ahead. And, and to uh, not just looking at Wilfred and Didi and, and Vardy. Obviously, Vardy is 
you know, kind of their cog, their leader. Uh, and Ndidi has been a stabilizing force in that central de- defense, uh, defend- defensive midfielder role. But for a, a great part of the season, they were also missing their their, their top center back in Kaglar, Kaglar Soyonku. And he's been back for the past week or so, or two weeks. And so uh, having that, not just those two other pieces that you mentioned back, but also having the lineup that, Brennan Rodgers expected to have at the beginning of the season throughout the season. I think that could be really telling of where this team ends. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good point. I think this might be a good measurement stick for like what these teams are. We kind of saw this last week with, we were debating or not debating, but we were previewing Aston Villa and Arsenal. And we were like, I think, you know, we're, we're a little unsure of where these teams fit as far as in the table, you know, we're very high on Aston Villa, but they were kind of trending trending in the wrong direction. And then on the flip side, Arsenal had a horrific start to the season, but seemed to have sort of turned it around a little bit, relying on their youth. And so we we went into that match thinking like maybe the result of this can give us a better idea of where these teams actually stand. I think this could be that too. So micro matchup that I'm also looking forward to is I think quite a few times on this podcast, we've talked highly of... Um, the Leicester midfield, and at least I'm a big fan of them. Young guys, Madison, Tielemans, and Ndidi, they make a very formidable midfield three. And on the flip side of that, you got Liverpool where you got – we're hoping hope, – I'm, I'm hoping to see if Henderson can move back into the midfield and then Henderson and Tiago working together. So Tiago is this, you know, shiny new toy that they have that hasn't quite fit yet. He hasn't – I think it's very safe to say that he's underperformed. And to be fair, it's probably kind of expected a new league, a new team, a team in flux. You know, he just hasn't been the Tiago that, he, you know, people have sort of recognized from Bayern Munich or, or Barcelona before that. So, you know, one of these days you got to think that he's going to get clicking and it's going to be really interesting to see if maybe this is the time. I was hoping last, last match against City, that would have been a nice stage for him to really – State his presence didn't quite do it, so maybe maybe this is the match. So that's something I'll be looking for. That midfield, those the young guns versus like the really experienced midfield of Liverpool. It's also worth noting, though, as much as I want this to be a good match, it was basically these two teams in the state they are in now that played earlier in the season, where Liverpool just wiped the floor with Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great way to start the weekend. Bones, with that being said, what match are you looking forward to next? I think this is kind of a no-brainer. It's got to be the City-Tottenham match. And so if we're looking at the table, and this is at 12.30 on Saturday, we're we're looking at the table. City is comfortably in first. You know, maybe that's... They're pretty giving them too much credit. They're, they're kicking their I feet mean, up right points, now. I mean, five points. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. A game, with a game in hand. Yeah. True. Um, and Tottenham, in recent weeks, and this includes the FA Cup, in which they just lost five foreign extras to Everton. Um, and they they kind of played their full strength squad. So it, they're really struggling right now. They've fallen to eighth. They, I, I mean, I don't want to start this debate again. Uh, not not this specific debate, but the debate of managers being on the hot seat. Is Mourinho going to start hearing that being said by the media, by us, pretty soon, if he doesn't start getting results? They are playing 
I mean, they, they just haven't been getting results. And if, if they're going to be paying the amount that they're paying in his wages and they finally gave him his team. Him is, being Mourinho. Yes. Yeah. And it's not looking good. Yeah. With that said, they do have a game in hand. Yeah. I would say that. So if you took it at face value and look at the team and say they're in eighth place, you're like, that's sketchy for Mourinho. But when you add a little more context around it, it's like, they did not have Kane for a couple of matches. And then on top of that, so they do have that game in hand. So if you assume that they win their game in hand, that would comfortably put them probably in fifth place. So just outside the top four. But also because there's this like log jam between, uh, you can say really like third place, third and fourth place all the way down through like ninth place his seat's not too hot. Whereas like like eighth place isn't that bad this year. Uh, You're still kind of in the mix. You're, you're within striking distance of the top four. Whereas in, I think previous years that wasn't so much the case. That's true. But it's, it's good points because like they've been very uninspiring. They were like, it's clear that they, they have to have Harry Kane playing or else there's not going to be a result. I, so my knee jerk reaction to this matchup was, Oh hell yeah. Mark this down. I can't wait. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, this is probably going to be one of those like really boring matches. Yeah, I think it's going to be snoozer, to be honest. But you've got two marquee teams going at it. You just hope that when Tottenham steps on the, on the field that they are ready to be aggressive offensively and not just try to pack it in and stymie City's offense. Yeah. Oh, that uh, was a big gulp there, guy. Yeah, sorry. Uh <laughs> uh yeah i uh so like i said knee-jerk reaction gonna be a great match then my follow-up thought was city should should dominate but i think they'll dominate but it won't be reflected in the score right i think that tottenham will 100 percent, especially playing on the road will pack it in rely almost exclusively on kane and son to try to try to get on the score sheet and on top of that, I, I have like Tottenham has a good organized defense. I think City might have a trouble, might have trouble scoring goals because I still think people associate City with the high scoring teams of pretty much all of the previous years, but their attack hasn't been quite as convincing. They've 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 gotten goals from like their defense. Like John Stones has like three or four goals, which is insane. And they obviously don't have a true striker. If you don't count... So let's look at the Liverpool game. I mean, first half, they really struggled to get a, a good chance. And then their goals came from Allison complete screw-ups. So, I mean, they still have to get the job done when Allison screwed it up. But, you know, they were, they yep. were gift, gifted something there. And then also they were given... Like, Phil Foden's goal was a, a little bit of a worldie. Like, those don't happen that often. So... The four-one four goals is, I think, a little bit overstated, and then, yep. and then all the matches previous to that, they weren't lighting up the scoreboard. There weren't. I mean, they put up like one or two goals, but their attack it just hasn't been what it is without Aguero in the lineup. So, I think realistically, that combined with Tottenham's stubbornness, like I don't know, 
I haven't looked the 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 odds on goal totals, but I would definitely take under two and a half in this match. So yeah, it might be a little bit of a snoozer. I'll be interested to see if I mean it's all on Kane, right? Like if if Tottenham has a yeah. chance, Kane's going to have to have one of his career games. Yeah, yeah. With that said, did you not see Jesus's goal during the FA Cup? Uh, granted, it was against Swansea, but it was Actually, a nice. I actually didn't see it, but I knew I had a feeling you'd bring it up. <laughs> oh, you know me too well. I, it was a very nice. It was an over the head ball, which he brought down really nicely, and then just a a world class finish. It was very very nice. Obviously, when I say world class, I'm speaking only about the finish. He hasn't proven consistently enough to be that type of scorer, but it. it I mean, it seems as though he is building confidence again. And that maybe he's making a put. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's Sergio Aguero or not saying that he ever, ever will be, but maybe he's turning into that serviceable nine that they need, at least before, until they find that replacement for Sergio Aguero. Yeah, I'm not buying it, but you could be right. And I agree. It's probably no matter how good of a form he gets into, it's probably just to get them through the rest of the season. And then yeah. they're going to be splashing on a striker. They'll probably go for a Holland or something like that, which would be upsetting. Or dude, maybe they'll invest more in their defense as they do. <laughs> I wonder, I think they might be good on that front. Finally. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's the flip side of things. It's like the city's defense has been unreal. I don't, I, I don't know if it's still the, at one point they had like, conceded 14 goals and the next closest was like 21. So just miles ahead of any other defense. And yeah, I mean, they also have the speed in defense to, to keep up with son. Um, they'll probably go like two defensive midfielders to deal with Kane when he drops back in. So I think this is just going to be, it's probably gonna be a long one for Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. But don't get it twisted. We're going to be watching because. Mm-hmm. What else we got to do? Because you, you know what? If anyone's going to slow down Manchester city, you need, it's going to be, it's going to be some team that has some individual brilliance and Tottenham's got two guys that can do that. So let's only hope that they don't just keep steamrolling the league and, and like decide the league months before it actually does. end. so we'll see. Okay, let's move on to another match. This one is high on my list. I think this has potential to actually be the most entertaining, and it's mainly because of one of the teams that's in it. Their matches are always just wild. So it's I'm I'm going with uh, I'm jumping to Sunday Sunday's match with Arsenal versus Leeds. So mm-hmm. Arsenal's currently sitting 11th in the table, and Leeds is actually 10th. And yeah, basically the story with Leeds. First of all, I can't figure them out to save my life like <laughs> the teams that i think they should destroy they somehow lose to teams that i think that they should perform well against they get crushed by and anything in between i'm not really sure so yeah i expect there to be goals um i think this sh- so everyone at this point should know the story with leads they're a end-to-end fast-paced freakishly in shape team Bielsa, their manager, puts them through the ringer every week to get them in shape to basically sprint the full 90 minutes. So I think that's a big reason why you you see them score a lot of goals because they break teams down and they tire them out 
And Patrick Bamford, their striker, is having a career year. He's been fantastic. I think it was his last match. I can't remember who it was against, but he had like two goals and an assist or something like that. I don't know. He's, he's playing I think that was two mind. matches ago. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, so basically they can go in and they get stretched out though. So they get end up being very vulnerable in the back. So if, if teams can weather their, their storm, it's easy to put up goals against them. A perfect example of that, which is obviously fresh in my mind is just the, the United match with them where to be fair, the final score was six two United, but so United had no problem scoring the goals, but Leeds also their attack was relentless and, you know, United just were able to weather that and then have the perfect outlet pass that would almost always result in a goal. So I think Arsenal, although they're trending in the right direction, they hit a little bit of a speed bump in the last match against Aston Villa. But to be fair, Aston Villa, Aston Villa is a quality team. So I think that scoreline 1-0 isn't that discouraging, especially because I think for large chunks of that match, Arsenal looked like the better team. That I think Arsenal can score against Leeds, and I think that they also will be vulnerable against Leeds. So I expect goals in this, which isn't that what everybody wants? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what I'd say 12-year-old Tim really wanted and why I didn't convert until later on into a Premier League fan. Mm. I, I do think that there's going to be a ton of goals. It'll be really interesting. Both teams we're still trying to figure out, really. And Leeds is a unique case that, we can't figure them out despite having seen so many matches of them. Whereas this Arsenal squad, there just hasn't been a large enough sample size with the team that they are now rolling out for us to really figure them out. So just kind of a strange setup, but both teams on their day can be just jaw dropping. But then also on the flip side, they can be absolutely horrific. So I do kind of hope that we see a, an absolute shootout and not just a slog fest. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at their score lines and it's just Leeds is all over the place, right? So uh, they they beat Leicester three one, so that's very surprising. They barely beat Newcastle, which is Newcastle is honestly one of the worst teams. They lost to Brighton. They got crushed by Tottenham. They crushed West Brom five nil. They barely beat Burnley. They got crushed by United. It's just, it's all over the place. Their scorelines are all over the place. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, and, uh, and when I was preparing, for, like doing some research for this match, I was very surprised. I kind of, you know, I wanted to get an idea where teams were in the table. You kind of, you know, the way we prepare for this show and we read up on teams and we watch their games. And I I think I start to get an image of roughly – we obviously review where they are on the table every week, but I still also get my own probably biases in my head about where roughly they are on the table. And in my head, I had leads much lower in the table than 10th. So I was pretty surprised to see him there and above Arsenal because Leeds has been so up and down, but they clearly have been more up than down. And in my head, I had Arsenal above Leeds because, because of their recent performance and, you know, the, the youth, the, the Saka, the Smith Rowe, the mm-hmm. Martinelli, uh, tyranny when he was healthy, them really kind of turning that cruise ship around to start sort of trending up again. But um, again, it's going to be another test for Arsenal to figure out where they are. It's just, I think at the time they played Aston Villa last week, Aston Villa was in 10th. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And one last thing, it's pretty interesting, particularly at this stage of the season and for a team that's in 10th to have a zero 
goal differential. I mean, that's obscene, but that's Leeds United. Like they will concede a ton, they will score a ton, and who knows what they're going to break out. But never have I seen a 10th place team at this stage of the season have a zero goal goal differential. Mm -hmm. I think also, I'm trying to think, I know it's, I know Tierney, Tierney's going to miss this match and there was someone else of significance for Arsenal that was, oh, um, Thomas Partey is not going to be playing in this match. So, sort of a, he's had up and down games for Arsenal. Obviously he was injured for a while, but I think I think if there's going to be kind of a stabilizing force and as far as defensively goes, it's going to have to be on him. He's sort of the veteran non-psychopath, like I'm talking about David Luiz there. But uh, without him, I think they're going to be even more vulnerable. So, yeah, goals. Expect goals. There will be goals. Okay, Bones, do you have a, another match you're looking at? I do. And, I, you know... I don't know if it's going to be a great match, but it'll be interesting in the fact that both teams need points desperately to get to their end goal. So I'm looking at the Everton full match. Both play relatively attractive football, so it should be interesting in in, at the very least. But Everton um, currently sitting in seventh, they with 37 points. They're two points off of fifth place, fifth place Chelsea. So they just need to continue to either grind out draws or get wins so that, that they can keep the race at least reasonable. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, again, this coming from our talk last week, there's only one Europa League spot. They're not going to challenge for top four. They're not going to challenge for, for Champions League. At some point down the road, maybe, maybe in a year or two. But this team right now, it's not going to happen. I think that a Europa League, they would willingly take a Europa League spot. They need to keep on getting results. Likewise, Fulham, they're eight back from Burnley for safety. They need to get wins. They yeah. need to keep moving forward. And I, I think that they're capable of doing it. They've shown over the past couple of months that they aren't a team that you can just write off. They will press very good teams to the limit. And whether they get the win or a draw or a loss, it's generally a loss, but they'll at least look as though they know what they're doing out there and show that they are putting forth a lot of effort. So I'm interested because of the fact that this is such a important match for their seasons, respectively. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think they obviously have very different aspirations, but to your point, Everton is a very real competitor for Europa League but I think I mean they're probably not saying that they're probably saying hey we're going for Champions League so I mean you got a you got a world-class manager there and Ancelotti you have I mean top level quality there on the team you got James who you know he's in the later stages of his career but he's still I mean a fantastic player Calvert-Lewin is up and coming proving to be a top level striker probably the number two striker on the England national team behind Harry Kane. Plenty of other, you know, Richarlison has his moments where he can just take on a whole team and slot it away. So there's definitely quality on that team. And I think if they really realistically want to go for top four, like this has to be a win and they can't settle for draws, especially for bottom three teams on the flip side. As you said, there's a gap that's growing week after week 
between Fulham and safety. And it's, it's so it's weird again. It's back to the point I was just making. I get after, you know, watching these matches, you know, reviewing them and previewing them. I have this mental impression of, of Fulham as being not a relegation team, you know, lower bottom third, but not relegation. And because of like the res- they've been able to pull draws off from from like top level teams, and the problem is they they can't get wins. They don't get wins. So, not that Everton will be an easy one. I don't actually recognize this as a spot where Fulham would like realistically steal a win. But the wins need to start coming. So yeah, they need it. Yeah, they're running out of time. Eight points is a lot, but who knows? Like you said, they when you, if you watch Fulham play, they look like a pretty solid team. Yeah, and and the one thing that I'll say about the difference where we said that City's kind of running away with it and they're only at five points, sure, have a game in hand. The difference on the bottom of the uh, of the table where it's eight points, yeah, that's a huge deficit. But you're also not expecting those teams at the bottom to consistently win, whereas right. you think that City is not going to lose. So yeah. that gap of five points is insurmountably larger than that gap of eight because – you know, three matches and that's done. And Burnley could very well Shit lose out for the rest of the season. Who who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's and that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, no problem. I kind of shit on you pretty hard at the start of this episode, so I figured I can <laughs> pay a compliment. Yeah. All right. Uh, to be honest, I don't have anything else. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously, if any other matches you guys can catch, I strongly recommend it. But those those are, I think, either the ones I expect to be the most entertaining this weekend or have the biggest implications on the makeup of the season as a whole. Okay. So before we move on, listen, if you like to keep up with the Premier league, it is a ridiculous season. There are matches all the time. It's almost impossible to keep up with what's going on. If we can't do anything other than watch matches, honestly. So, Here's the deal. If you have a life, if you're in school, if you're working, if you have a family they have to keep up with, it's hard to stay on top of what's going on in the Premier League. So the good news is you have this podcast. This podcast will keep you up to date with what's going on. And I would say it's relatively unbiased uh, analysis. You know, Mm. eh, you Mm. know, eh. If you want to stay up to date with the Premier League, I strongly recommend you hitting that subscribe button. If you've already been listening and you haven't done it yet, like, what are you waiting for? Like, you've come back. You clearly like us. Just give us a subscribe. If you're on Apple, rating and review would be awesome. We'd love to hear any feedback. Negative, positive, doesn't matter. Feedback's great. And then if you're on Spotify, just give us a follow. Okay, before we wrap up this episode, we are, well, not not we, Bones. It's going to be ever so nice to give us a an update and what kind of update he's going to give us an update on the u.s men's national team so just checking in see what the boys are doing bones take it away all right so a lot of interesting stuff happening on the u.s men's national team front first and i guess foremost jordan morris gets his first start and paul Ariola debuts for swansea in the fa cup fifth round against city and just another note Zach Steffen was between the sticks for City, almost had a clean sheet, save for a lot of great build-up play from Paul Ariola. Kevin's or damn, 
a lot of great build-up play from Paul Ariola, Trevor's boy. Did you just call me Kevin? Yeah, I was just saying with my buddy Kevin, who has a <laughs> who, who has a to- talk. At least I didn't just say Kevin. All right, well, fuck it. Um, anyways, he almost had a clean sheet, save for a lot of great link-up play by Paul Ariola, who contributed to Swansea's lone goal. Next, Daryl DK, who's a forward who's on loan from Orlando City, makes his debut for Barnsley against Chelsea in the FA Cup. He came on in the 59th and had two shots, although Barnsley ended up falling to Chelsea. Next up, a guy we've been talking about a lot since his transfer, Brendan Aronson of Red Bull Salzburg. He had his first goal, and boy, was it a cheeky one. He's starting to make the turn and get a lot of praise with, with the club and with Jesse Marr, so a lot of good stuff to come with him. Next, Chris Richards, the center, central defender on loan from Bayern, starting his first match with Hoffenheim and got a lot of praise from Sebastian Honus for his performance to, despite the loss. So, you know, this is one guy who I've seen a lot with Bayern who – I think has fantastic potential, um, and so does the Bayern hierarchy. So one to really watch. Haji Wright, who has been absolutely lighting up the Danish Super League, and in fact is one of the top scorers this year, was being targeted by Malmo, who are the Swedish champions. That would be a huge jump, and hopefully a move that would help sure up that, that number nine role for the national team. Next, Christian Kappas, who is a central mid- midfielder, more deep-lying, He's headed to Danish Giants, Bronby, in what is described as the biggest sale in Hobro history. Hobro being a smaller club. They, they've had some troubles in the, in the recent past, but had been uh, one of the more successful franchises uh, or clubs, excuse me, in, in the Danish leagues it, it themselves. But really cool that this could turn out to be a part of history. Next, Taylor Booth, who is an attacking midfielder. He plays for Bayern's reserve squad. And Brandon Cervania, an attacking midfielder, midfielder from FC Dallas, were just sent to St. Poulton, who are in the Aust- Austrian Bundesliga on loan. Taylor Booth was having some trouble in cracking into uh, the, the second, second squad for Bayern. He's still really young. Same with Brandon Cervania. He was having trouble breaking in and getting legitimate time with FC Dallas. So hopefully this is a move that will help them gain a little bit of experience with a top club in you know the respective leagues and will help them as they go back to their home clubs in contributing in the, the following years. And then lastly, this guy you may or may not have heard of, Luca De La Torre, he's an attacking midfielder, has been gangbusters in the Dutch Eredivisie for Heracles this, this year. He actually recorded an assist on Saturday. He had struggled with injuries and then lack of playing time in the past couple of years with Fulham, um, both in his youth career as well as on the senior team. But he seems to have figured it out. He had gotten his men's national team debut under, I think, Dave Sarakin, who was great in trying to give uh, initial caps to younger players. And so he's on our, on our watch list, uh, but he's certainly one to watch for in the future for the men's national team cycle. Thanks, Bones. That was very nice. Thanks, Trev. All right, so that is going to do it for us for this episode. Before we go, just got to say, hey, if you want to find us on Twitter, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, you can find us at at 2TouchPod. 
That way you'll know when episodes are live and when we put out some new content. So for Bones, I'm Trevor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.